707 on CJAD. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Mike Newton, who is filling in for Josh Miller tonight. Welcome, Mike. Hey, Dan. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. So Josh is, of course, on his annual trip to Hong Kong, exploring yes. opportunities there. Uh, I actually just texted him, so hopefully he's going to send us some thoughts from Hong Kong about uh, developing more business uh, out there. Uh, so we'll wait to hear from him. Given the 13-hour time difference, he's probably uh, waking up, but he's probably had about two hours worth of sleep at this point, so I'm not <laughs> sure his text will be terribly coherent. All right, and our guest this evening on Today's Entrepreneur is Jamie Benizri of Legal Logic. Welcome, Jamie. Good to have you. Hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me tonight. Thanks for coming in. So first, uh, we start, Mike, by, uh, by just maybe talking about a bit about uh, what you do, Jamie. Tell us about Legal Logic. Well, Legal Logic is really uh, a fully comprehensive law firm that started off uh, with its roots in business. It really started off with you know uh, uh, offering its services to the entrepreneurial community, and has since branched off to uh, to do more you know litigation and really broaden its service offerings uh, to its entrepreneur base. Yeah, I think uh, Jamie, you know, when you and I were talking earlier, I think one of the things that I find rather intriguing is trying to take what has been uh, a traditional roles and not, clearly no different than than our profession as well, and try and make it uh, uh, something that uh, commoditizes certain some of the services, uh, as well as trying to branch off in certain areas that create, uh, I guess, some value at the end of the day. And I think later in the program we're going to get into this whole discussion of professional firms and the ultimate uh, ability to transition your firm or sell your own firm. We spend all our time with our clients uh, and many times most of us forget that we actually run our own businesses as well. Do you find that's a difficult balance to have, uh, Jamie, to, to sort of manage the clients and, and be a business person at the same time? Well, you know, traditionally lawyers aren't known to be entrepreneurial so to, to branch out and think out of the box sometimes is, is, is not easy. Um, so, you know, typically what we've tried to do is really kind of marry the two and bring a lot of our services, like uh, was brought up earlier, the commoditization of certain services to really you know, give entrepreneurs access to services that wouldn't otherwise be available to them to really you know, good legal advice and really uh, allow them to grow with a professional firm. Jim, why don't you give us a little bit of history of uh, where you came from? Uh, certainly, uh, come a long way, I think, from where you started practicing and some of the work you were doing, I think you said, for uh, City of Montreal. So maybe give us a little bit of history on that and why you ended up going from uh, that field into the entrepreneurial side of things. Well, my, my, uh, like you mentioned, my roots really stemmed um, in, a, in a small boutique firm, which was really uh, giving me the opportunity to, uh, to really strengthen a lot of and sharpen a lot of my legal skills both from a litigation perspective and from a business perspective. So I had good foundation in corporate law and commercial law, as well as uh, the litigation components of what this practice was all about. So when I had transitioned my career, um, really the approach was to make it um, an entrepreneurial uh, venture, you know, uh, with entrepreneurs in, you know, in mind, and really kind of make packages for them. And really be able to um, you know cater to their needs and, and grow with their needs. And uh, as uh, was mentioned, you know, it started off as a business boutique firm, but it then kind of became, um, uh, you know, we added components like litigation. We added components that allowed them to kind of you know stay within one firm uh, in order to meet all their needs. I'm surprised a similar service doesn't exist already. How did you how did you carve out this market, and how did you see the need for this type of really uh, specialized uh, customized service? Well, I think that, you know, in my experience, there was a lot of, um, I keep going back to commoditization, but there was, I found a need 
um, for entrepreneurs to have a service that they would be able to access. Um, and there was already an online alternative to conventional law firms opening businesses and charging X amount of dollars. So we already saw this online model. So instead of competing in that online model, we said, look, our value-added approach is not at the incorporation level, level, but really at the service level and over time in order to have entrepreneurs come in, take advantage of the service, and for us to grow with them. So it was really all about saying, how do we differentiate ourselves in the market? And how do we not compete on price? Well, if you, but if you take this, this, this commoditization or the, you know, the, the, the products that we're talking about, can you maybe just give the audience a, a quick run through in terms of you're going from incorporation? I mean, for most people, that sounds like a word that uh, is relatively simple, uh, but could be rather daunting when it comes time to actually incorporate a company. Uh, you're taking it out of the realm of being uh, kind of feared into turning it into some kind of basic uh, process. You know, you know, we've chosen um, uh, uh, incorporations really as the foundation of uh, the, uh, building blocks of legal logic. What we've basically done is taken that service. Uh, we've taken a process that is has been commoditized and is recognized as being commoditized in the service, and we are incorporating companies at no, with no legal fees. So basically the client is only paying for the costs to incorporate and the hardware to physically incorporate them. And with the value proposal is that we will be tending to this uh, uh, company, making sure that it's in compliant with laws over a certain fixed period of time. It sounds very philanthropic up front. Uh, obviously, you're in it to make some money. So how does the, how does the actual business model? So the only way, like, like you said, it's, 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 it's a for-profit company just to be, it's a for-profit firm just to be uh, up front. So obviously, the, um, the only way that we're able to recoup the investment um, is obviously through um, uh, annual fees that will be charged um, to maintain this company, which needs to be done on an annual basis in any event. Uh, the fees are extremely fair and competitive, and it includes and it encompasses basically any resolution that a company needs um, over its um, corporate year. Um, and obviously, the idea is to service their other needs from litigation to you know fill in the blank. So take a step back to litigation. I mean, you came from that environment. Uh, litigation is is probably about as scary as any entrepreneur is actually going to face when it comes to uh, to the world that they live in. Um, <coughs> you worked kind of, I guess, as a prosecutor uh, initially, which pretty much puts you on the blacklist from, uh, from day one. Uh, explain how you, uh, what you used to do and I guess how you, you moved forward and what, what you learned at that, pro that level in order to take forward for your, your entrepreneurs. It's true that you know, litigation is kind of something that um, no one really thinks about, especially when they go into business. You know, people go into business rosy-eyed. But my background, as you had mentioned, uh, does have foundations in litigation. I was a prosecutor for, for the city of Montreal. So we were doing high-volume litigation, and it really, for me, it was almost an essential um, cornerstone in, my, in the foundation of me learning the legal process and applying that to how entrepreneurs can kind of you know, avoid going into that kind of uh, so you, into those venues. So you can you you know the pitfalls. You know the areas where a lot of clients uh, traditionally will fall down. And I guess part of the service that you're rendering is the ability to try and keep them from tripping over themselves. I think the uh, something that my clients most benefit from is the fact that you know I do have litigation experience, and I and I from a business perspective, I do try to uh, preempt uh, preemptively uh, address those uh, those litigation concerns. Jamie Benezri, our guest on Today's Entrepreneur. He's from Legal Logic. 14-694-2945. Cuisine West Island. For those not easily impressed. 
professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Mike Newton, in for Josh Miller, who's in Hong Kong. And uh, Mike, our guest is Jamie Benezri of Legal Logic, talking about uh, a very a different sort of legal service. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, I, I think, you know, part of one of the things we have to go through in the discussion, I guess, is from the entrepreneurial perspective is how do you protect yourself? Uh, and a lot of the discussion with Jamie before circled around prevention and setting people up properly, things to watch for. I think some of his history uh, helps in, in avoiding some of those pitfalls. Uh, there's certainly some of the other things that he does that are a little more creative and a little more outside the box. But let's go back to get rid of some of the, the, the bare bones basic uh, discussions when you're talking about an entrepreneur needing to uh, to protect his assets or her assets. A uh, client comes to you and says, I got this great idea. Uh, you know, I'm going to sink in $5 or $500,000. Where do you steer them? How, what are some of the questions to kind of uh, uh, funnel them down? Well, you know, there is, you know, we, we talked a little bit before about, you know, offering a service that's kind of open to the public and it's accessible and it's free. And these are all kind of words and notions that lawyers traditionally um, do not encompass in their regular practice. But what we do is we really try to kind of bring those services and tailor them to individual needs. So in a case that you describe, someone is bringing an investment in capital or an investment in intellectual property. For me, it's, it's paramount to know where they're going with it, which jurisdictions do they want to exploit it in, where the product will be sold. So these are all considerations that I need to know in order to steer them to see, first of all, are they in the right jurisdiction? Am I the right man for it? And we're very fortunate to have a large network of people, uh, both domestic, you know, extra-provincial, international, that we can rely on to kind of steer them in the right direction. I think a lot of people don't realize when they set up shop that uh, you know they can they can incorporate here in Quebec or they can incorporate at the federal level, but every time they do business in the U.S. or they do business in Europe, I mean they're exposing themselves to potential risk, uh, potential liability. Uh, you're signing a contract with somebody outside of the Canadian borders, you know. Who governs the rules? How do you set them up? How do you steer them in the right direction? Well, a lot of people have the misconception that they need to incorporate. They need to have a corporation. Otherwise, it, it's kind of the only way to do business. But, you know, in fact, there are various ways to do business. You can do business under your own name. You can do business under a federal charter, which will be governed by Canada. You can do business under the rules of Quebec. So, there, you know, for, from my perspective, it's important to know, first of all, what the budget is, what the immediate needs are of the business person is, because the reality is you can sign, uh, 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 you know, Jamie Benizri personally, or Dan Delmar personally can sign a contract with, uh, I'll just say it's uh, a Ferrari based out of Italy. Um, or, you know, Dan Delmar Incorporated can do so as well, which is going to be a corporate entity. So in terms of um, who can do business, and if you have to stay within your borders of, we'll say, you know, Beaconsfield or Dollard, it, it's not true. You can, you can, you can, contractually bind yourself with anyone. Okay. One of the services you were talking about before, I think what a lot of uh, legal firms do is is, is uh, collections on behalf of some of your clients uh, when they hit an area that, uh, as we've seen over the last four or five years with the economy and not being in the greatest shape, uh, we're seeing a lot of people, I think, in the last 12 to 18 months uh, having problem collecting on some of their receivables. Uh, obviously, there's Part of that is a service that you render on, for your clients locally. Um, but what happens if an individual also is outside of their jurisdiction? Uh, how, do you, how do you help a client deal with a contract in the U.S. where he needs to collect? Uh, how do you protect them? Well, first of all, my, uh, my, 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 
my bar is only in Quebec. So unfortunately, I can't go into New York and start litigating uh, in New York. So we do have partnerships. We do have, we, you know, we set up partnerships with people kind of in the New England areas, uh, in Ontario, and in kind of other jurisdictions that kind of typically we deal with. So um, for clients that are outside, obviously, we can interpret a contract. The language is universal. You know, lawyers have created this al- alternative kind of language to kind of, you know, not, not to exclude other people, but it, it, it's because this is what the courts are accustomed to. So it's usually, whether it's common law or civil law, the language is consistent. Mm-hmm. So I am able to act, you know, in an Ontario, uh, we'll say merger, or an Ontario transaction, or you know, not litigation, but um, I'm able to act in that capacity and maybe look at one aspect of it um, and maybe pass that off to counsel in Ontario or in New York, you know, when it, when it kind of falls outside of my jurisdiction. Okay, and when it falls outside of that contractual law, and somebody just needs a little bit of help doing some, getting some collection, you provide that service as well. Uh, yeah, within the jurisdiction of Quebec, one hundred percent. How do you, how do you, uh, how do you price that, or how would you work that? Well, one of the one of the services that we've tried to do is, you know, we were finding needs, um, and we were, you know, really uh, sensitive to clients who would come in, uh, and I'll, I'll shoot a number of uh, fifteen thousand dollar claim that they have been unable to collect for, you know, three, you know, we'll say a year and a half. And the, the, the first fear when you go to an attorney, attorney's office is the fact that, well, look, is this claim going to cost me $25,000? So in order to address those needs and to try to relativize the legal services, almost like a credit agency would, we've set up a form of percentage-based model with an administrative component model in order to take out those fears and to make it more approachable Perfect. and make it you know, easier to budget at the end of the day. Hold that thought. Uh, I'll just leave you with one thought. One of my partners once told me we were trying to collect the receivable. He said, remember that uh, $5 and principal will get you coffee and maybe not more. So some days you got to remember that you can't just fight somebody because they upset you. It's obviously has to have some kind of valid financial model to it. I have clients that will probably argue that. but Yes, I know. (laughs) Today's Entrepreneur on CJD with our guest Jamie Benizri of Legal Logic. Jamie Benizri, our guest from Legal Logic on Today's Entrepreneur, and Mike Newton here with me filling in for Josh Miller, who's in Hong Kong. And Legal Logic, a very... Uh, there's spinoffs to legal logic too, right? It's not just the legal business. 100%. I think that uh, one of the things uh, Jamie's uh, trying to create is something bigger than Jamie, uh, ultimately at the end of the day. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, you're uh, 10 to 12 people, as you were explaining to me earlier, in a number of different, um, number of different branches. Uh, and, you know, maybe take a couple of minutes, Jamie, just kind of give us an idea of where the people are, what are some of the services that you're offering uh, that make this more than just coming to see Jamie? So this is, like I said, I mean, this, this isn't about Jamie. This isn't about, you know, Ben Israel and Associates. This isn't about Jamie and Associates. What, we've, what I've tried to do is bring this online model. And, you know, Legal Logic is, you know, the logo is a little different. There's a K in the name. There's a, there's a couple things that kind of make it seem like maybe a non-traditional law firm. We've kind of branched out, and, and through my experience and an experience with a partner of mine, Avi Levy, we've uh, created a, an alternative brand. And this comes really from my history as a prosecutor at the city of Montreal. We've created a brand called Ticket Aid, which is which addresses people's you know ticket needs. You know, on or on and off the island of Montreal. When you talk ticket, you're talking traffic tickets. We're talking traffic tickets. We're talking. We're talking stop signs. We're talking. You know, and we're not talking about you know, um, uh, you know, parking tickets. But this is really a demerit points play. And the beauty of the product is that you know we've actually managed to find a way to guarantee the service 
and really give back people 50% of their money if we're unsuccessful in reducing their demerit points. So then again, it's another thing that we're trying to use to really distinct ourselves and, and, and set ourselves apart you know, from the competition to say, look, we are results driven and this is what we are going to do. So you know, we really put our money where, uh, where our mouth is. So when you talk about breaking down uh, the points and, and, and dropping the demerit points from certain levels, I mean, how successful is this? Some people feel it's, it's a waste of time. Other people uh, find, find themselves in trouble, you know, never-ending trouble. Uh, you know, how do you play out on some of these issues? You know what? It's really on a case-by-case basis. I think that our success rate for me is extremely high because if we find that there is no settlement possible, there's always a way to help the client. I mean, it's not to obstruct justice and reduce points at any, at any cost. It's really to find the best suitable solution under the circumstance, if that's by reducing points or costs or you know, helping the person manage their demerit points. There's more than just, there's more than just one way to help a driver out, uh, keeping a driver behind the wheel. So there's really, you know, it's, it's multifaceted. Every case is different. And we treat it, uh, you know, we treat every case, uh, you know, professionally and diligently. So what you're telling me is the next time I end up with a few demerit points and I realize I've done wrong and I know I should slap myself on the wrist, before I just pay that ticket and, and fess up, I should give you a call. I would log on ticketaid.ca. That's oh, what okay, perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Today's Entrepreneur with our guest, Jamie Benezri of Legal Logic, And uh, there's more to Jamie. There's uh, TX Logic, a lot of different spinoffs of this business. So we're going to get to that uh, after the break and talk more about, uh, about the kind of stuff that Jamie does. And also later on, Mike, we're going to talk about uh, family businesses in terms of succession and how to plan for the future. And uh, well, it's, it's never too early to start. And, and we'll get to that uh, in a little bit later as well. Definitely. And I think the, uh, the play after the break uh, with, uh, with Jamie, it fits in nicely. It's a discussion of M&A, mergers and acquisitions, and how to sell your business or if you want to buy a business, which obviously leads right into that whole discussion of, you know, what do we do with our family business at some point? All right, 7.34 on CJAD, Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Mike Newton, who's in for Josh Miller, uh, who is himself in Hong Kong this week, his annual trip to Hong Kong. So Josh will be back next week. And Mike, our guest this evening is Jamie Benizri of Legal Logic. And Jamie is a very interesting entrepreneur because he has sort of a, a lot going on uh, in, in that scope of businesses. Not just a lawyer, but there's more. There is, and I think one of the things that I find fascinating is the is the ability to try and get outside of the professional service, which, as I mentioned earlier, is not about promoting Jamie, but more about promoting uh, different services, different features that kind of stand on their own at the end of the day. I mean, we all know that you are the key man, and we all know that you're the big player, but ultimately, at the end of the day, there's got to be some life uh, that continues on, especially since you've got a two-year-old child, and uh, you know you have to spend a little bit of time at home from time to time. I think the uh, you know the, the, today's entrepreneurs. There's this constant battle between uh, t- between life, uh, work-life balance, which is a term that I really don't like because it comes across meaning uh, I really want to spend Friday afternoon with a barbecue as opposed to doing any kind of work. But I think uh, one of the things that you that you're doing this TX logic, uh, I think it is fascinating because I think it, it's providing a venue. Uh, that most people are unaware of that really is something that should be done and that really is is kind of a creating a mergers and acquisition uh, let's call it bulletin board if you will or a matching service so maybe uh, give us a little bit of a lowdown on that so I mean just to just to go back a little bit you know you mentioned big player and the idea really is not to highlight me or highlight you know any one particular person but you know I, I'd be lying if I said there, there wasn't people behind me 
you know, running the engine, so to speak. So, you know, I'm fortunate that we have, uh, we do have a nice, a nice size staff. We do have people who are kind of uh, helping turn the wheel, so to speak. You know, there's, there's two other lawyers in our, in our office, Aram and Jeff. Um, and you know, there's, there's Amanda and there's, there's, a, you know, a ton of people who really help us provide the service. So, and obviously my, you know, my wife who, who, who's obviously, you know, basically so, puts up with you, who, 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 a, you yeah. know, who, you know, tolerates me. Yes. Um, but, um, at the end of the day, we have done that legal logic has served almost as a template, um, to be used in different venues. And you talked about our, our business matchmaking service. And that's something that we did through a website that is called uh, TX logic. Uh, TX logic really is a site. Um, in, in its purest sense, is a business brokerage business site. And the idea of this is really to have a comprehensive model um, that in- incorporates business brokers, lawyers, accountants. And it's really a venue for someone who's buying a business to benefit from this comprehensive service instead of going around and shopping and collecting all of these groups of individuals. So what you're so, trying to say is you're trying to put me out of business by providing the, uh, the one-stop shop on, on some of these deals. You've got about three years left. Yeah. Okay, good. Thanks. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so tell, where did you see the need for this? How did this come about? You know what I was I was discussing with uh, and my partner in that is uh, his name is Dominic Gipos, um, and he comes from the banking sector. He's sales driven, and the the impetus I guess with, for this was almost uh, not selfish, but it was almost to be a sales uh, generator. And really, for me, that's 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 really what it started off becoming, and it's evolved into something much more. And it's really there. There's a niche for this because if you think right now, if I gave you 20 seconds and I asked you to tell me, you know, who's the the quintessential business brokerage services, um, you know, not many brands come to mind. So that's really what we're trying to carve ourselves uh, out of is to say, look, this is the place where you go to buy a small to medium sized business where there's no headaches. Do you say you know, by buying in bulk, so to speak? You know, look, like I said, I, I like to go back to I like to go back to tailored. We like we said, I've, I've used commoditized, I've used standardized, but it's really we're using that model. But at, at the end of the day, everything really is tailored to specific needs. But we benefit from standardized processes, and in this way, we are able to pass off economies of scale and other kinds of savings to clients. So your your pricing model is not one of an hourly service. Your pricing model uh, of in terms of the support on a due diligence or a posting or a matchmaking is done what on a, on a commission basis, a percentage basis. For TX Logic, it'll be uh, strictly on a uh, a commission basis unless the client opts for otherwise. Sometimes it's impossible to opt away from the hourly business model because at the end of the day, if it's something that I'm you know if I'm forcing you to sell me something or to sell my client something, there's no you can't quantify that. I'm forcing you. I'm I'm preventing you from doing something. It's a, it's some things in law cannot be quantified, and therefore the, the the hourly business model will never die for that purpose. But for business purposes and entrepreneurs' day to day needs, I you know we have found a way to obliterate you know eliminate fees from the beginning and really fix fees in order to give entrepreneurs access to solid legal advice. So what you're trying to do basically is cut down on the risk associated to an individual of running through the process of selling their business uh, and uh, not being able to get there uh, necessarily to find out at the end of the day they've got a professional fee of X dollars at the end of the day, uh, whereas this is tied into the actual sale. If I go to the website, and just I'll give you a quick plug, uh, TXLogic with a K dot com, uh, you have a list of some of the businesses that have been sold, uh, and you're anywhere from, I'm looking at the quick range 
of $119,000 to almost a million six. So it's a pretty wide range uh, as well. I mean, you bakeries, catering, wholesalers, uh, dependers and gas stations. So a little bit. Is that is that the size of business? Are you looking at the, the more mom pop? type environment that doesn't have that depth of a professional group behind them? You know what? It's a little bit of both. I think we're looking for, you know, professionals who are business owners that don't necessarily want to engage services without knowing that there's a buyer at the end of the day. And we're looking for mom and pops. And we're really, like you said, looking for, it's really a matchmaking service. And we are willing to offer our service. And obviously our, our commission, you know, it will be ultimately based on the size of the business and the value of the business. And that all that is determined by the business brokerage, the, you know, the in-house business brokers. But yes, I think we're, you know, small to medium size. I would say, you know, uh, anywhere from, like you said, $116,000 to, you know, five, $10 million businesses will be in our price range and will fit nicely into our standardized uh, uh, processes. Uh, so you know, let, let's talk a little bit about the standardized processes. Let's talk about the due diligence process. Let's talk about some of the contracts. Please. Let's talk about the letters of intent. I mean, a lot of things that, that people hear or read about uh, that really have no idea of what that involves. Maybe walk us through. Uh, <coughs> I walk in and, and I say to you, uh, Jamie, I've got a business. I've had the business for 10 years. Uh, of course, I think it's worth 10 times more than it is because I'm the entrepreneur. And of course, it's more worth more. <laughs> uh, how do I move forward? What do I do? What do I... What do I say to you? Where do I go? What information are you looking for from me? And I mean, am I coming in at the last minute or am I coming into you and saying, Jamie, I want to sell this in a year? You know what? There's always the emotional aspect, whether it's, you know, it's litigation, whether it's business, there's always an emotional component to, you know, any, anything that I've done and anything that lawyers do. So there's always, like you said, you have to manage expectations a lot of the times. And at the end of the day, you know, why are people so scared of engaging professional services for their business? Why aren't people as scared when they sell their home? You know, the value is sometimes more than the business. Um, but, you know, we've, it, it, it's almost more acceptable to transact on your home and engage a professional service based on commission than it is to sell your business. There's a lot more emotion involved sometimes, but not always. You know, you raise your families there and the emotions are really the same. So I think at the end of the day, um, you know, my job is really to compare, you know, assess from an objective perspective what the business can get, and then really at that point maximize the value of it. Does that does that make the and I'll use the term the ma and pa shops a little bit easier under the model as they are a little more I don't want to call them standardized, uh, but they're a little bit easier to package at the end of the day <clears throat> than say uh, a manufacturing company or an import distribution company that's been around for years. Uh, you know, I, I would assume that the the shell or the the technique that you're using certainly plays better to something that's a little more standardized. It's very interesting. I mean, it's of course, it's you know, more dependers are transacted. Because clearly, I'm trying to find a way to revive my services at the end of the day. So you you go ahead, and I'll let well, you talk well, for a well, while. Like I said, I mean, you have you have three years, so you you know you still got time. Um, but at the end of the day, I think look, I think that it's it would be hard for me to sell. I mean, I wouldn't say hard, but it would be. It is harder for me to sell manufacturers. Someone that manufactures, I don't know, on-air buttons. I mean, there's only so big of a market for it. Depeners, people transact on a regular basis, just as they do homes. So you know, right? It, it's it's really, how do I base the values of this? Well, it's really based on market research, and a lot of it is going to be based on well, from an emotional perspective, what is this person really willing to let it go for? And that's I'm sure something that you come across on a regular basis. Yeah. Like you said, people want to value it at ten times, but you know they can't get more than three times. 
where am I going with it? You know, and at the same time, you know, it's not fair for me to have a listing on the market for two years because it doesn't, you know, represent the uh, the list our you know our listings properly. So again, you have to you have to uh, be able to manage expectations, and I think a lot of that has to be is done through objective information, through compiling market research, and having the professionals on board to say, look, buddy. You better tone it down because no one's going to buy your depener for you know eight point nine million dollars. <laughs> when you when you look at it from a legal due diligence perspective, uh, what are some of the things you're looking at when you're going to help somebody on a legal due diligence side? You know, legal due diligence is one of you know something that cannot be overlooked. It's it's, it's essential, and you know a lot of times people want to skimp out and you know maybe not pay for due diligence or you know maybe have their lawyer compile the information and then pass off the information to the client for them to read. You know, it, it 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 is it is it is so primordial, and 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 it's we 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 believe so much in it, and that really comes into the preventive um, philosophies of a litigator is to say, well, you know, for me, the due diligence is really a report card to say, look, these are the potential pitfalls, and this is the way that we are going to, you know, address some of the issues that uh, that we've discovered during due diligence. Jamie Benizri, our guest on Today's Entrepreneur from Legal Logic, and uh, Jamie's one piece of advice for Today's Entrepreneurs coming up before 8 o'clock. But first, after the break, we're going to talk about, Mike, uh, family businesses and succession and transition. And if you have a question for Mike on that, uh, shoot us off a quick text message to 514-800. Uh, so how to prepare, uh, lay the groundwork for future generations of your business, that is next. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Landau's Mike Newton in for Josh Miller this week. Jamie Benizri is here from Legal Logic. Uh, we'll hear his piece of advice for today's entrepreneur in just a moment. Uh, but first, Mike, we want to talk about family businesses and particularly uh, the issue of transition and succession. If you have uh, other generations in the business and you, you're thinking maybe one day they may want to inherit that business or, or participate in it, how to go about that. Uh, when is, is there such a thing as, as too early to prepare for transition? Um, do you want to do this when your kids are, when you, when you have kids? I mean, when you're, when they're 10, 12, 18, at what point do you, do you say, I should start thinking about this? Well, I think it all depends on the individual. It depends on the entrepreneur. It depends on the family. It's, uh, th th there's no perfect time. I mean, you'll, you'll look at some family businesses and, you know, from the time the kids start to walk, they've groomed them as the next CEO of the family business. Uh, what they do seem to forget at some point is maybe the kids don't want it uh, or don't have the skills. And I think that's the, the matching reality to uh, expectation, I think, is, is probably the hardest thing that most of the entrepreneurs in a family business are ever going to face. Uh, and, and, you know, accepting the fact that, you know, little Johnny or little Sarah maybe isn't the best person to take over this business. And, you know, they, they use a very harsh term, which is called pruning the family tree. Uh, which unfortunately comes to comes to mind when an individual does not live up to the expectation or the capacity, and I think that's a hard part. I mean, as far as planning in advance, I mean, you can never start to plan too soon. Uh, the reality of, of of living in the world where tomorrow's leader uh, needs uh, a year, ten years, twenty years, uh, you know, exists again. Depends on the individual. Uh, the you know, there's a, there's a kind of few rules of thumb. If you give me my first choice, I'd love to see. Uh, that graduating uh, university graduate go uh, work somewhere else for two or three years before he joins the family business, even though he may have worked as a shipper, he may have worked in a clerical job while he was going through school. 
let him cut his teeth somewhere else uh, and let him come back to the business uh, with some credibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's not just showing up one day as as, as daddy's son or mummy's son. Uh, he's actually coming in with some kind of past history to him. You know, there's a couple of entrepreneurs who we profiled on the show who have uh, advised their children to do just that, to make their mistakes somewhere else, get experience, and then come to the family business. Well, part of it's making their mistakes. Part of it is, like I said, it, it is credibility that they've actually had a job somewhere else other than mummy and daddy have provided for them. And in some cases, it's also about uh, <clears throat> learning respect and learning that, uh, you know, when mom and dad come down hard on you, it's not just because you're their son. Maybe you just didn't do the right job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the hardest things to ever separate is, you know, you you, you sit in the boardroom, you sit in the halls, you sit in the, in the shipping department uh, five, six days a week, and then Sunday evening, you all get together and sit around the table for dinner and have to try and forget that one of you made a mistake this week. And, I, and that's probably the hardest part. And, and I think one of the biggest issues we see with a lot of companies, a lot of family businesses, is this lack of formality. Uh, you know, one of the things family businesses pride themselves on is the ability to have the family involved and run it like a family. Uh, it's very difficult at the end of the day when it comes time to sell it, to turn around and take a business where uh, we've all kind of been to say loosey-goosey, but maybe not the corporate, uh, the corporate environment when an individual is coming in and doesn't have that emotional attachment, who wants to see. And in many cases, people do not get the maximum value for their businesses because they really don't have that depth and succession within the business. Forget at the ownership level, just at various positions along the way. Jamie, you have a two-year-old. Is it too early to start thinking about succession? You know what? I've already, uh, I bought him a gown so he can wear it, and I bought him a wig. Perfect. So he, he wears it around the house, and uh, you know, I'm proud of him. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, it's it's quite common that most lawyers don't want their their children to follow in their footsteps. Um, and there's obviously a lot more barriers in law. Uh, a lot of children don't you know don't make it, don't have the, the 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 you know the capacity to make it through law school. So you know, I think there's a lot more barriers to entry in the family business. But I, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's a question of uh, never being too ready. And I think you know, to be honest, uh, you know, I, I'm at the beginning of my career. Uh, I'm, I'm witnessing the, the growth of a lot of businesses, and you know, hopefully the show will be around in about 30 years, so I can see the transition of all the people that I'm starting now, uh, and hopefully have set them up, structured them properly in order to kind of pass on the reins. So I think, like you said, I think you said it best. It's really a mindset. You know, <clears throat> I want little Johnny and little Sarah to be in a position where you know the, the parents have made good legal, you know, sound legal and accounting decisions for them to fit into maybe you know a more formal structure. So I don't want to make it too rigid, but at the, at the same day, at the, at the same uh, token, you know, I think you said it well and said, you know, loosey-goosey. You know, sometimes it's, 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 it's advantageous to kind of instill a little discipline. And Mike, it is a bit trickier, right, when you're talking about professional services uh, to sort of fit into that uh, more rigid mold as opposed to, say, the family restaurant. 100%. I think one of the, the big problems we have as professionals is we're, 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 we're so caught up in our own egos of how self-important we are, that we don't find ourselves in an environment that lends itself very well to continuing on, you know, tomorrow if I'm not here. And it's one of the things I think that, that, that drew me to the initial discussion with Jamie is the ability to try and commoditize certain things, to try and take him out of the equation so that there is a saleable entity somewhere down the line, which unfortunately has caused the, uh, you know, the, the, the downfall of many a professional firm that once you get past the first uh, founding layers, maybe you'll get through a second. Uh, it's hard to get to the third, and boy, that doesn't really sound much different than uh, any other family business, does it? Real quick, uh, for those entrepreneurs listening who may have children in the business, they've done nothing so far, no paperwork, no no transition planning. What's your advice for them to, to at least get the, the groundwork started? Well, I think you have to start formalizing things between... Uh, 
either agreements, uh, the will, uh, some kind of corporate environment. I mean, if you want to sell their business, and if it's and if Little Johnny and Little Sarah are not going to take over and need a third party to sell, you got to start setting the groundwork five years in advance. I mean, you can't all of a sudden wake up one day and say, eh, you know what, I don't feel like going to the office, let's sell and get anywhere close to maximizing the value for your business. Today's entrepreneur on CJAD coming up, Jamie, uh, Jamie Benezri of Legal Logic shares his one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. 7.56 on today's entrepreneur and our guest, Jamie Benezri of Legal Logic and uh, Mike Newton in for Josh Miller, by the way, who's back next uh, Monday night at 7 on today's entrepreneur. Now we end the program usually with uh, talking about the one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. And uh, Jamie, what is your message for entrepreneurs out there listening tonight? You know, you're really put, you're really putting me on the spot here because there's, there's so many there's so many facets of, of of advice. But you know, at the end of the day, I think it's really uh, to you know to be happy to be happy in what you do in your daily functions. Whether it's you know you fit in uh, you know in, in a marketing role, uh, whether you fit in a, you know as a professional. Um, you know, people go into professions sometimes for. I'm speaking from from experience. Sometimes people go into professions because you know it's the only thing they can think of to do at that time. But at the end of the day, if you don't pick up the momentum of passion, if you don't pick up the momentum of you know having that burning desire to actually service clients, I think at the end of the day, you're in the wrong profession because you know, like uh, you had mentioned earlier, um, you know, separation of work-life balance is you know an extremely thing, an extremely difficult thing to achieve, especially in professions. So I think that it's really to you know make sure you love what you do because you're going to be doing it for a long time, and um, you know, if you have that entrepreneurial spirit you better act on it because like you said earlier, there's no right time. There's no right time for succession planning. Uh, so like I said, I think, uh, you know, maybe, you know, in, in convincing myself, my message is, you know, there really is no right time. So uh, you, you got to act on your, uh, on your instincts. Perfect. I think the, you know, the, for been doing this now for 23, 24 years, and uh, I think the keys to success, and whether it's a professional firm, whether it's an importer, whether it's a manufacturer, whether it's a successful, um, anything uh, passion and execution I, I think the ability to get things done I think I've watched more family businesses particularly fail because of a lack of execution um, Excuse me, and I think uh, clearly the lack of passion that the next generations is hard to create. Mom and dad created this, their heart and soul. It's like their children all over again. Next generation doesn't come in quite as passionate. Without that, without that ability to get things done, you're up for an uphill battle. And one lesson I learned from tonight is uh, is don't be afraid to reinvent the wheel. And in Jamie's case, he took a service, uh, a profession, which is normally quite rigid, and uh, and sort of thought outside the box. And that, I think, is an interesting, uh, interesting lesson as well. Appreciate that. Very much so. Uh, so thanks again, uh, Jamie Benizri of Legal Logic of TX Logic. Did I leave anything out, by the you, way? You forgot Ticket Aid. Ticket Aid. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't even remember. No. <laughs> he's got so many things going. Uh, he's got a, Lucky he's got a good group behind him. I'll be here for about a month, I think. Right? <laughs> I'm filling in. Thanks uh, very much, Jamie Benizri. And thanks, Mike Newton. Josh Miller is back uh, next Monday night. Thank you, Dan. Hopefully I've been a uh, formidable replacement for Mr. Miller, who's got that big, booming radio voice. Uh, <laughs> You're just great. And don't forget, you can reach Fuller Landau during business hours at 514-875-2865 or visit www.flmontreal.com. This is Montreal's News Talk leader, CJAD 800.